Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Ash's History A-Level Slay. You are with Ash, surprisingly, and today we're doing a special on Perkin Warbeck. Now, I felt that this was really important to highlight as its own episode. I kind of said it in the end of the last one, but it's just such a really good bit of evidence to have in your back pocket because it's applicable to multiple essays, not just one topic like religion where you learn it and then it's not even going to come up. So I'm just going to dive right into it. And the first note I have is pesky dude entirely accurate this dude was an absolute menace to society a rascal okay so he posed he was another pretender to the throne as richard of york and richard of york believe it or not was the nine-year-old son of edward the fourth that ricky killed in the tower why does it always come back to ricky I don't know, because when you learn it, you hear it first and you're like, okay, that's fine. But he's just coming up everywhere. What is up with you, Ricky? Um, I don't like Ricky. So he first appeared in 1491 in Ireland. And if that's ringing alarm bells, that's because we did Lambert Simnel last episode, also in Ireland. Irish people are menaces. I'm sorry if you're Irish. I did not mean that. I meant in the 15... 15- 14 and 1500s okay in 1492 he traveled from ireland because he clearly just nobody was moving there he moved to charles the eighth's court in france so charles was very welcome to accept him you know he's like come on in babe no no prob not a prob oh you've got a better claim to the throne than the actual king that's crazy and he kind of kept him there so he was there until dun 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 plot twist the treaty of atap now the treaty of atap was a mega slay for England. I cannot emphasize how much Henry slayed with this treaty. And even though this isn't a foreign policy episode, I'll put it in both because this is also a really important treaty to know about. So it started when in 1492, Henry sent 26,000 men to the north of France. And This was not just a random move, because as I have established, Henry VII is a mastermind. He knew what he was doing. If you compare him to Henry VIII, all of Henry VII's moves are really calculated, whereas Henry VIII was just like, yeah, let's go invade France. Whereas Henry VII, he planned it very carefully, because he knew that stinky Charles VIII, he was invading Italy right now. So he thought if he just popped up, then he might be able to get something out of him. And that he did. France did not need Henry right now. He's trying to invade Italy. He just went, okay, Henners, what do you want? And first of all, Henry wanted to get rid of Perkin Warbeck. So Henry went, you have to get rid of Perkin Warbeck you absolute buffoon, get him out of there, why are you supporting Perkin Warbeck, he's not Richard of York, he's Perkin Warbeck, so that was kind of established, and then Charles was like, okay, and then Henry also wanted money, 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 
ain't it funny in a rich man's world? So a while back, Edward the Fourth, uh, before Ricky's brother, it all comes back to Ricky. So Edward the Fourth had signed a treaty at some point called the Treaty of Pickney, and somehow that has a G in there. I can't explain that spelling. If you're French, please help me out. And Edward the Fourth had been promised a hefty thing called a French pension. Now, hefty means seven hundred and forty-five thousand crowns to be paid in fifty thousand crowns installments every year. So Henry was like, "Hmm, you know, what? Edward had that." I want that too. So Charles was like, okay, I'm just trying to invade Italy. Sure, you can have some money. And as we'll get into when we cover finance, a lot of people say that Henry VII is a miser and that he liked to keep money. G.R. Elton, the historian, he was all like, oh, Henry gained power through having more money than all of his subjects. So Henry's like main goal throughout all of it is just to secure his reign through money. So this was very good because it like furthered his goals. So as I said, Henry slayed. However, this is not the end of Perkin Warbeck because like a slimy snake, he ran to Margaret of Burgundy. Do you remember that name? Do you remember Margie? Yeah, remember when I said that she was going to be an absolute pain for Henry? I was right. She actually had a vendetta against Henry for basically no reason. I think she needed to get a life, personally, but that's just my opinion. So, Margaret of Burgundy took in this little exiled Perkin Warbeck and she trained him as a Yorkist. So this poor little dude just being thrown around Europe. And in 1495, so a few years later, because this was in 1492, that he was booted out of France. So he spent three years training together. I don't know how what they were doing to train. Who knows? I feel like Margie actually groomed people, but that's, that's a theory for another time. Maybe if I'm not doing a podcast on just the spec and how to like actually pass your exams. But um, Warbeck was fully trained, ready to go, and he attempted to land in England in 1495. However, as I have already reiterated, Henry is the ultimate mastermind and he was told well in advance by a dude called Clifford and Clifford was like yo Perky's he's come in prepare yourself so Henry intervenes and Warbeck is terribly forced away to Scotland so he didn't get to invade England like he initially planned or just like sneak in so he goes to Scotland which is a pretty irrelevant place sorry to all my Scottish listeners um and Scotland was equally as dangerous to Henry VII because they were the only country and still are isn't that amazing um only country bordering England so they'd always historically kind of been aligned with France and both France and Scotland had always had this weird vendetta against England. However, um, James the Fourth, this is James the Fourth, King of Scotland, he sees Perky and he's like, yep, you can come on in just like Charles VIII. Everybody is just accepting Perky. So James the Fourth arms this little dude 
and he gets a small force and tries to cross the border to England. However, he absolutely flopped and he had to retreat back in 1496. And then Perky's just kind of sitting and waiting and he's watching and he's waiting for the right moment. However, there would never be no right moment. Perky thought that the right moment would be to come back um, when the Cornish Rebellion was happening. So I plan to cover the Cornish and Yorkshire Rebellions next episode. So I'll go into more detail with Perky Warbeck's involvement then. But good wording is he tried to exploit weaknesses of the Cornish Rebellion. However, this rebellion flopped, spoiler alert, sorry guys, and so does Perky. And he tries to run back to Scotland because he thinks James IV has his back. But surprise, surprise, James IV signs the Treaty of Aiton and gives up Perky. So that is the end of Perkin Warbeck's story. He bounced around a lot of places, Ireland, France, Margaret of Burgundy, then Scotland, then back to England, then epic flop. And like I said, this is a really, really important one. I wanted to have it as its own because I'm going to be going back to this before my exam and re-listening to this because it can be used in like different essays not just one category so if you're talking about foreign policy you can talk about the fact that other leaders were really really ready to accept him and betray henry and you can also say that henry was always like aware of his movements because he had people like clifford and because he was just a clever guy and he used his amazing negotiation skills to eliminate him as a threat. So Treaty of Aiton and the Treaty of Ataps was the way that Henry got rid of Perkin Warbeck. So it kind of shows, if you're talking about foreign policy, John Guy said that Henry had a very defensive foreign policy. And this is an example of supporting that because Henry didn't just go to war with people because he acknowledged that England wasn't really a major power. However, he used what he had to his advantage. He was aware of what he had, unlike Henry VIII, who was just absolutely goofy and just decided to start wars for no reason other than he just didn't like France. So Henry VII really carefully used the assets he had and he picked the right times to attack, like in the Treaty of Otaps, and he generally negotiated in order to get the things he wanted. So it shows that he kind of is a very, very, I'm sure you've heard this word used about Henry VII a lot, shrewd and capable negotiator. And this whole situation really just portrays him in a very positive light as he's able to effectively eliminate him as a threat. And as I wrote in my notes, blast him to smithereens. And you can basically say all the same stuff if you're talking about, you know, oh, how did Henry secure his dynasty or how did he deal with threats to his throne? So Perkin Warbeck was obviously a massive threat. So there you go. Um, that is the end of the Perkin Warbeck episode. I know it's a little bit shorter, but I I just need to be able to have this there to come back to. I don't need to be skipping through an episode to the Perkin Warbeck bit. So thank you for listening and I will see you next time. Goodbye.